0: Now Kerr looking for the long ball. That's brilliant.
1: And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World class players do world class things. Hello and welcome back to All Things Chelsea FCW, and of course, the legend that is and continues to be Fran Kirby. Of course, if you've heard, she's currently wait,
0: wait, wait. do that again because you, yeah, I think you skipped saying the name of the podcast.
1: <laughs> Did I?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh shit! I didn't even <laughs> completely like blanked that out. Oh my god! You keep, you have to keep that in and send it to me because I just don't. <laughs> That's like really and truly not happened. Hello and welcome back to the Fran Kirby Fight Club, your one-stop listen to all things Chelsea FCW and of course the legend that is and continues to be Fran Kirby. Um, if you guys have heard, she's suffering with a with an injury. It's been quite problematic over the last couple of weeks. She received two injections for it, um, so we all think of her. She's definitely in our thoughts and prayers. But back to the good stuff. While she's been away on the sidelines, Chelsea had been playing and that's what we're here to talk about. I'm Mary Mendez. You might have seen some of my content on Sky Sports. Um officially I'm an NBA writer but I've managed to worm my way into WSL which is basically where all the good stuff happens um i'm joined with andre andre how are you um apart from making you do the intro like three times because one of <laughs> us couldn't remember the name of the podcast uh
0: i'm doing it honestly it was great uh it was it was a great start to the podcast i'm i'm considering <laughs> keeping some of it in maybe not i don't know we'll have to see uh but it was it, it was great and i'm doing all
1: right great stuff um yeah as you say it's it's bringing a good start to things um we've got a couple of things to talk to you guys about today, of course, the big matchup this Wednesday against Lyon. But before that, there was a game against Reading. Um, it was an epic Cup game, I believe. Uh, we won that quite comfortably, 3-1. As expected, there were quite a lot of changes from Emma Hayes, who did rest um, Kerr and Lauren James, um, which kind of meant we saw an interesting lineup. Uh, looked a bit like a 3-4-1-2. Um, I'm pretty sure Guru Wright and Neem Charles were leading the lines. That could kind of tell you how confusing things were. Um, so there was no recognized striker, but that didn't seem to matter because we scored three goals. It was actually Jess Carter with a brilliant volley in the 23rd minute who kicked things off. Um, and then three minutes later, crazy situation, Manu puts away a penalty after after there was a foul in the box. Arguably, we should have had another penalty with Guru Wrighton who was taken down on the box, but... For situations unknown to us, unknown to you, I believe, Andre, I'm pretty sure you tweeted it from the account, it was not called a penalty. Fortunately, Guru then scored, so we were winning 3-0. Um, we did concede quite late on in the 70th minute, but still a pretty comfortable game. Lots of rotations as expected. The last four draws on Tuesday, um, and it's pretty clear now that all eyes are on Leon. Andre, was there anything in that game you want to talk about before we move on?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you're definitely right to pick out that penalty. It was an early penalty that we probably should have gotten. It looked like Guru was tripped and then the player just fell on top of her and bounced on her. So I'm actually glad she was she didn't get injured in that uh, situation. But I understand sometimes the referee kind of looks at the talent discrepancy, maybe, and that influences something. You have a team uh, like Reading that go down that early. Uh, Via penalty, I still think it's a foul. It may appear a little soft to some people, but I do think it ultimately was a penalty. I'm glad in the end that it did not matter. (laughs) One day we will have VAR and we won't have to worry about these sorts of things. I know that's a big conversation over there. But the other thing I really wanted to mention, honestly, was just the third goal. I think it was really, really, mm-hmm. really well worked. I think it was a lovely through ball uh, from Conrad, who's just, every time she plays, she has a couple really nice standout moments. And I thought this was one of them, that through ball. And then I think it was Abdelina who got in there and slid the ball across the box to Guru for just tapping it in, basically rolling it into an empty net. So I, I loved the way that goal was constructed and it just made me kind of happy that so many changes can happen And, you know, I there can't have been too many minutes when Abdelina and Conrad played at the same time and Wrighton was also on the pitch. So the fact that they have enough chemistry to pull something like that off made me feel good about the depth of the team, but also how much work they're putting in throughout the season on the training ground, Um, because I do think that's it seems simple, but that's not a simple move to pull off.
1: Yeah, and you're quite right in saying that because often Emma has had to resort to kind of experiments like this and it's not always worked out. We've been a bit critical of it in the past, but actually this was a perfect opportunity, not just respectively in terms of the opponent, but also actually to see how we could keep the core elements um, and maybe move things a little bit around. As we say, it was a strange formation. We didn't have a recognised striker. Hayes was rightfully resting two of Chelsea's biggest stars, but there was still enough creativity, I think, playmaking um, that maybe we sometimes miss out when we're playing in a bit more of a possession-based style formation. So I was quite intrigued to see how that came about. Um, and as you say, a couple of players who deserved game time and they got there. And that's kind of one of the nicer things about having so many games. Often we complain about things being stretched and, and sort of squad depth. And, and actually we kind of get to see players who might not have opportunities to play in the season. And that's probably reason why... They are happy to have the minutes and happy to play.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I think we also, I will also say, I am so glad that we got pretty fortunate in terms of the draw because with Lyon coming up, two legs mm-hmm. against Lyon and Manchester City, if, like, if we had to juggle FA Cup, advancing in the FA Cup, advancing and trying to advance in the Champions League and also maintain our top atop the league probably still would have put out a a a a rotated lineup even if that had been like maybe like Manchester City or Arsenal or something so it just kind of worked out that it was Reading, and we could get away with it because as we've as we mentioned before this this month even started this is going to be massive and then this match popped up on it and really it's FA Cup match uh, late round it could have been a tough one so I'm very very thankful that it was Reading. And we were able to rotate and still able to get a fairly comfortable result in the end.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it gets much worse, like much madder to have a mad march than having, you know, a WSL game with a top three contender in between two right. <laughs> Champions yeah. League quarterfinals and then possibly an FA Cup against. Of course, you know, if it, it, you know, in some alternate universe, it was going to be Arsenal. Of course, it was going to be right. Um, yeah, and that's of just of course
0: Manchester United in the league. Like we just played exactly. them last week. It's just it's so much.
1: It's it's definitely too much. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about our injury situation. Um, but that's that's kind of one of the big reasons why it's scary. Um I think we should start talking about Lyon, just because there's so much to say and it's looming fast ahead, as we've said, Wednesday, Wednesday the twenty-second, that's the first leg of the tie, and the second leg is actually at Stamford Bridge, which is kind of really cool and amazing um eight days later march the 30th so i kind of want to start asking the question a lot of people coming into this won't know a lot about leon um apart from the fact that they're a big team they're a juggernaut you know of women's football and i kind of want you to give us a bit of insight into what's been happening this season because it hasn't been smooth sailing
0: no it hasn't and i and i think this is this is also one of those very interesting things where I think because so many women's teams, particularly across Europe, are becoming better and better. Lyon used to just be undisputably the best team in women's club football. They, If you go to their Wikipedia page and look at all the, mm-hmm. all the trophies they've won, it's like a ridiculous string of consecutive Champions League trophies, consecutive league trophies, cup trophies, everything anything they always assemble the best teams and now of course because there's so much talent in across the league across multiple leagues and uh, of course changes to the champions league where we've had group stages now we didn't have those opposed to like a season ago so they're trying to maintain their level of dominance but it's also other teams are getting better and they've had quite an, an intense injury crisis they are still at the top of the league in their own, uh, in, in the French league, even though they have lost one game. It was an early December game against PSG. Who else? <laughs> they beat them 1-0 <laughs> uh, with Diani scoring. But apart from that, that's the only blemish on their record domestically. In the Champions League, they've mm-hmm. had some interesting results, yep. I'd say. We know that uh, Arsenal, which, you know, that's, this is going to be the thing that Arsenal hangs their hat on. <laughs> <laughs> because they beat Leon 5-0. It was a very very poor game uh from Leon. Again, we can also mention the injuries and everything, but that was something that was really um that kind of really stood out as a shock. You would never think a year or two ago, definitely t- more than 2 years ago, that any team, any women's team was going to come in and beat Leon by that margin. So Leon is definitely a little bit vulnerable. However, They are getting a lot of luck with their injuries. They're getting a lot of players that have returned. Sarah DeBritz is back. Jennifer Marazon is back. Ellie Carpenter came back from a torn ACL, which happened last year. She's been on the pitch. She's been in some games. Amel Majri is back after giving birth. And we saw to make matters worse for Chelsea.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I cannot believe I saw that tweet and I just thought like my heart.
0: I was like, yeah, of course this would happen. Yeah, Etta Hegerberg, the all-time leading scorer in the ch- in the Women's Champions League, is also back on the pitch uh, training. Not sure if she's in full training, but she's with the ball, and, and if she is available at all to get into the game versus Chelsea, she's absolutely going to get that opportunity. The one thing that is a little sad for me as a U.S. Women's National Team fan is that Katerina Macario still seems to be, a little ways off. She was on grass a little bit, but since then it sounds like she's had a setback. So we're still kind of waiting to see when she returns. But I think it's probably these two games are going to come way too soon for her to be on the pitch. So Chelsea gets a tad bit of a break there. But given all the talent I mentioned, still a lot.
1: Yeah, there's something very kind of Thanos-esque about Hagerberg and her. <laughs> She's just best. been like, like under the radar for a while. And all of a sudden, I just see like a tweet where it's like, I'm getting ready. You know, here I come. She didn't say that, but that, that was the vibe I got from the tweet. Maybe I'm feeling extra threatened because of my affiliations with Chelsea. Um, but it's just, you know, as you say, they've had it quite of a, a crazy season to lose 5-0 to Arsenal, you know, no shade in Arsenal, but Arsenal also, you know, without key players in their team and and experimenting a lot with the squad and new signings they made, It it's kind of a little bit eerie, I think. As you say, it's so, it's been such a rarity in women's football and now we're getting to a stage where things have become unpredictable. And, and to be fair, you know, at Chelsea as a team have been in that place as well, losing to Liverpool on the first day of the league, losing recently to Arsenal, just a lot of teams are in a transformative phase, and that's going to work against us, but it's also going to work for us because we can look at that game against Arsenal and, and also the following draws they that happened against Juventus and see exactly where those weaknesses come. As you say, a lot of returning players, big players returning, but as we know in our own situation, it's kind of hard to throw people on after they returned from injury and expect them to be at any sort of level of peak fitness so i think there is an opportunity here in the first leg for us to really make more of the situation at hand
0: yeah it's gonna be tough when i saw this draw of course and i think we reacted to it on the pod it was just like ah, just a deep sigh (laughs) it's like of course chelsea's gonna have to do it the hard way because even you get by leon and then you're pretty much um unless unless there's a major upset it looks like it's gonna be barcelona Uh, In the semifinal, and so Mm -hmm. like then two legs versus Barcelona. I I don't even want to think about that right now. We're focusing on (laughs) Lyon. That's what we're gonna do. (laughs) We're gonna focus on Lyon. But yeah, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I think I'm excited about this. I'm definitely excited about this matchup. But in terms of like Chelsea specifically, I think it's a really good opportunity to see how they match up and see how the new style of play for Chelsea is able to cope in the Champions League. Because I think in the past, what we've seen is. You know, Emma Hayes has tried to go out there all out with like talent, you know, blitz the opposition. And sometimes it does not go well. (laughs) You know, we either get countered or we're not able to get control of the ball or anything. We're not able to hold the ball and manufacture the chances we're used to manufacturing. And we end up getting a bit shell shocked. It definitely happened in the Champions League final that we lost to Barcelona. And it has happened in a couple of matches, you know, thinking of Wolfsburg in particular. Thinking when Bayern did it to us, even though we kind of got lucky with some of their finishing, they hit the post a lot. AKB was immense in some in, in those matches. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to just seeing how we manage these two games against Leon.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe for the first time, people are starting to think about Chelsea as a team that can move past their previous Champions League failures and, and actually be competing at the top. You know, MMA, Emma Hayes has made so many investments this summer, but we're still kind of seeing that we're not 100% with with how those have gelled and and, and sort of integrated within the squad. Um, we're still having a lot of problems with our defence. I think we've kind of settled recently on a back four with Neem Charles and Jess Carter playing, or Jess Carter, Neep Perisay swapping over. Um but injury, and this is something you mentioned earlier, injury has been a, a real problem. Uh, Jess Carter hasn't really been fit enough to be playing as a starting, um starting on the right, and then we've got Neem Charles. We've had situations with her defensively, and Paris Saint seems to be ma- managing an injury. Um and then further up in midfield, especially in defensive midfield, Kankovic, that's a worry. She was playing quite well. We saw her in, in the game against Arsenal, the double against Arsenal, and then she just hasn't played since then. More worrying than that, and that, at least I feel this is the biggest worry for me, is Erin Kudver, who's been reported to have a tight hamstring, Um, you know, and... That's the more compelling area for me because I feel Cuthbert is so important when it comes to defensive midfield. Often, you know, she's very great at progressing the ball and carrying possession, making those passes, but she's also the person breaking up possession, dismantling counterattacks, um, winning back balls in positions of danger. Um, and although I feel Kankovic has done a good job of that, but I guess now we're kind of hearing that, you know, there's there's a situation happening and we're not quite sure. And mainly, Leupold would would be a good replacement, but she's only just returned to full training and, and playing in full games um, from having a baby. She recently played against Manchester United. That was her first 90 minutes since her return. So there's a real situation here where i think Emma might have to try things in an unorthodox way um and she might not really have a choice in how that happens but we do feel quite strongly that as you say there's enough depth to give us enough stability in those areas yes neem charles will be playing at least we've got jess carter back and that might not be the most stable position for charles but in midfield perhaps we will see more of of Jess Fleming playing playing in a bit of a reduced role, um, allowing Lauren James to come in more central. It's just things I think we have to kind of think of because it's it's just as interesting of a situation on our end as it is for Leon, um, and they will be looking at us and thinking, oh well, you know they've got key players missing. There's no Fran Kirby, no Panilla Hardo continues to recover from a long term injury. Um, their their central defence, if we see Buchanan playing instead of Magda is still, you know, as you say, it's kind of sus. You know, Buchanan is really good. She plays a couple of really good attacking passes, but she has these moments where she's still kind of unsure of, of where the ball is at her feet, and it's led to a couple of penalties, a couple of conceded goals. Not to say that Magda in that situation is any easier. She struggles to. Uh, I, just, I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that I'm, I'm a little unsure. I know you're excited, and I'm excited too, because we're here, and, and, and it's the business end. But... I'm just worried about another blowout. I guess.
0: Oh no! <laughs> didn't Maybe I should have that said to, that. No. <laughs> didn't expect that at the end. Um, no, I, I do think that, especially for this game coming up this week, I'm, I'm still, I'm concerned because I don't know what the injury injury situation is like. I would like to believe that, like we just talked about, the game versus Reading being a little bit. Mm, gave us the opportunity to advance and still heavily rotate the squad, maybe gave some extra time for Aaron Cuthbert's hamstring to maybe heal up a bit, not be as tight. Um same thing with Parisay, you know. So there there are some injuries that I'm hoping feel better and that players are in much better form than what we've seen or heard over the past, you know, couple match days. So we'll have to see on that one, but that's that's the one thing that I think is concerning about this matchup is we just don't know what Chelsea's going to be able to put out there. And as much as I love Melanie Leopold's, I think it would be very, very. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty harsh for her first ninety minutes back to be against Manchester United mm. in a game we very much needed to win to maintain, you know, a lead atop the league. So, like that part of it is, I'm, I'm a little worried about. However, I'll also say that if you think about that Manchester United game and the way that it went. I don't necessarily think Sonia Bonpastor, uh, the head coach of Lyon, is going to be as, I will say, naive or maybe arrogant as Mark Skinner was in that game. Because we were able to, basically, he just waited for us to try to find that Route 1 connection to Sam Kerr. We, she had about four, four or five chances to to get the ball in the back of the net from some pretty Route 1 football um, and they never really did anything about it. I don't think Sonia bon Pastor and I also think that, of course, Leon's back line is better than United's. So, I, but I do think that the way we saw Chelsea play against Manchester United, I'm thinking particularly of the role that Jesse Fleming played, even though she was kind of there to be a number 10, having watched her a lot, you know, from college through with Canada, and then, of course, with Chelsea, her best roles. Are when she can just be in the in the midfield and be invisible until she's not, which is kind of one of those things that she's very very good at. She loves to just read play and then cut passes out in a certain right at the either at a critical point for for the opposition's build up. But she's very good at just being in the way and then turning that over into a nice pass. I think besides Lauren James's pass that led to the goal for Sam Kerr against United. Jesse Fleming had what was going to be the pass of the of the match. She had mm-hmm. a brilliant through ball that was probably like thirty or forty yards, perfect weight, perfect pace on it, and it was just delightful. And it's one of those things that she can do, and it's not the first time we've seen her do it. And I remember talking to you, uh, or not maybe I I can't remember. I remember talking about it after the match and just being like, everybody kind of wonders what Jesse Fleming does, and I was like, that's what Jesse Fleming does. So I think she is a massive benefit to. I think the kind of game plan we're going to have to deploy against Leon because I do expect them to dominate possession. They're healthier. Mm-hmm. Even if Aaron Cuthbert plays, they're healthier. They're going to be at home. It is just the first leg. You have to manage that game well. If you're Chelsea, give yourself a chance to win it and advance at Stamford Bridge. So I'm hoping that we see a similar game plan. I just hope it also goes the right way because especially if Egerberg plays, they could score out of nowhere and as much as that game plan may seem right, if you go down two goals, you know, in the first half or something like that, you're going to have to rip that up and try something else.
1: Yeah, I think think you are right in in that. And I, I wonder whether having a back four is going to be really important as well because previously we've kind of tried to to hold that line and we've been stretched in the flank areas. Sometimes Paris has been stretched, Magnus had to go across and that's left a gaping hole. And and those areas will just kind of be picked apart by a team like Lyon, especially, as you say, so skilled with possession and a possession-based team. They will be able to find those gaps and holes. Um. So I guess the the question is, it's, it's about how we're going to help passes get through to the attack through to Sam Kerr. As you say, it's not going to be as naive as as a ball over the top. You know, that was so simple. It was happening all the time. They were playing Man United um were playing such a high defense. And I guess I also have to say that how uh, how creative our midfield might be if we've got no um no no Cuthbert, no Loypolts, possibly Kankovic, that means that Jesse Fleming's going to be in there um, that means Guru Wrighton is going to be there and and possibly Sophie Engle. I suppose that does sound creative, but what, what I mean by that is how much of an opportunity they are going to have of being creative if actually it's going to be a lot of defense and a lot of chasing around and a lot of trying to press.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think Leopold should get a start. It just really depends on who's going to be with her, if it's going to be Sophie Engel, if it's going to be Aaron Cuthbert, if she's healthy. Um, I'm fairly, I'm pretty much expecting to see Lewpoles and Jesse Fleming in mm-hmm. the midfield. It's just going to depend on who's that other midfielder uh, in there as well. Um, even if we go 4 2 3 1 or if we go 4 3 3, we'll have to see. But I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, in terms of creativity, I really think like, you know, it's going to be tough. I'm going to be honest. I, I do think it's going to be tough to crack through Leon's defense, especially at home. I would love us to go out there and you know you get one of those perfect Sam Kerr performances where she's highly clinical and gets like three half chances and scores a hat trick. Like that's what I would love to see, but I also think it's going to be difficult. The good news is doesn't really matter in terms of in terms of how Chelsea you, I'll say this, it doesn't necessarily matter how much ball how much of the ball Chelsea has because mm. Sam Kerr's movement is so good. And so constant and so consistent that she will find ways to fashion chances. The question is, can we get the ball in the right space at the right time for her? I think that, as we talked about just a second ago, having a player out there like Jesse Fleming, who and pretty much the the goal from like against United was everybody be very, very solid defensively, and as soon as you get the ball and get a chance to look up and figure out which run Sam Kerr has picked out. Get, try to get the ball to her in a good spot. And we did that a couple times. So I think the team is very well rehearsed at playing that way. It's just going to depend on how well they read it um, and if they're able to. If, if we're able to crack through. But I do think that there will be a handful of chances, not many, but a few chances that Chelsea's going to get. And I think they're all pretty much going to be half chances. Um, and we'll just have to see if we're able to put them away. But you look out all over the pitch, and I trust Lauren James to be able to deliver a single pass that's incredible. I trust Jesse Fleming to be able to do that. I trust Melanie Leupold to be able to do that. Aaron Cuthbert, Gore Wrighton. Like we've got a lot of players who can deliver a killer pass from pretty much anywhere on the pitch. So I'm, But but I am thinking that is going to be the game plan, and hopefully it works. Love if we got a goal or two from it, but basically for me in this game, just don't lose. Go to Stanford Bridge with a chance to... Shut it down and get yourself through.
1: Yeah, there's definitely something very um, you know, reminiscent of the last time we were this deep in the Champions League. Neem shells coming back quite recently, leopold's in the middle. Um, as you say, hoping it doesn't go the same way. We did get pretty deep that time, but this is the opportunity to kind of cement ourselves. Not only are we playing against a team who has been kind of struggling this season in various ways, just like us, affected by injury absences. But also, there's the opportunity to take it to Stanford Bridge, and as we've seen recently in the UK, the presence of of playing on on the men's team stadium having more fans it creates an environment a Champions League environment, and that's been lacking in the women's game because we've been confined to small stadiums that hold, hold only like four to five thousand people. It's been a real waste of opportunity. I'm I'm kind of thinking what you're thinking, which is that we can take it to Stanford Bridge and and. We get loads of people there, and it's packed, and it's a sellout. It's under the lights. There's an environment to feed off, and it's a lot more pressure because teams like Leon, they'll come to WSL, play against WSL opponents, and it's not always like this. We kind of have to feed off the areas we can and kind of put the rest of our faith in Emma and hope that she has the right game plan because often in the big moments, that's all it comes down to. Um, sure, there were mistakes in that In the previous Champions League run that we had when we were this deep, there were issues that happened. But we made comebacks in those second legs. Let's hope it doesn't come to the point where we have to rely on that again. Let's hope we see more stable performances from Chelsea. But also let's hope that we can rely on individuals, as you say, like Sam Kerr, like Jesse Fleming, like Menilin Lippoltz, as we did last time. um, And just hope that we do it better than the opponents do.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, this is—I think—my excitement for this. And I know which is which is wild because I started out saying I'm super excited, and then we went through the <laughs> list of injuries, and I was like, "Okay, Sorry, I'm less wonderful. excited." <laughs> but but I still—I think what made me excited and what still makes me excited is the fact that Chelsea, that, like, there's the way that they need to play to manage a two-legged tie against a very good Champions League opponent is the way that they've approached the season. I think in the past, it has been difficult to downshift themselves. They're so used to just getting the ball and going, and they're very, like, they high-press. It's a lot of energy. You remember that um video that made the rounds, what was it, a season or two ago, uh, against Wolfsburg, where Emma Hayes was just kind of shouting instructions mm-hmm. and pressing instructions and how you have to do this, how you have to do that. And it's an exhausting way to play, and I still think that it's even though it worked. And when it worked, it was brilliant. But when it did not, we kind of got stuck and we didn't really have a good plan B because the team was not prepared um, to be able to find the ways to play. So if it, despite a high press, if you don't get those high turnovers, if your press does not work, then how do you play? And I still think that we saw a glimpse of it versus United. I don't think it was great because we never really got onto the ball. But I also, again, will think it's, it's part of the midfield kind of being patchwork a bit. You know, Jesse Fleming, Melanie Lupuls coming back from from pregnancy. You know, it's been a while since she's been on the on the pitch specifically with that those midfield partners. So I do think if Aaron Cuthbert was in that match, we would have had a little bit more of the possession. So we'll have to see if she's able to play against Leon. But basically just the style that Emma Hayes has deployed to me is just much better suited to managing these games. So I shouldn't say this. I should knock on all of the wood in my house right now. But (laughs) I I think that we're much better suited to go into a Champions League match and not look overmatched, not get played out the park or anything like that. I think we're much better suited to go into a a, a Champions League match against a big opponent and stand toe to toe, handle the match, manage the scoreline. You know, it's all about It's not the it's not the most fun way to play. It's not the most exciting way to play. But I think you do have to manage games. And there's a lot of talk these days about game state and everything else. And even though it's boring and it seems to be like one of those things that, you know, the analysts and the nerds kind of kind of talk about a lot. For me, I just think it's super important to be able to manage games these days. And I also think that's a big part of the reason why Emma Hayes has deployed this particular type of style, because we have the talent to be able to find solutions when we need to find solutions we don't need to high press and create a bunch of chances and tire our players out i think we can get to a point where we're able to adjust cope with the cope with the opposition get the ball use the ball very well and rely on our players to create magic and for the most part we've been right in the league we've definitely been right we'll have to see if we can continue being right in the champions league
1: let me present you some scary stats Oh um, no! <laughs> I, do, I do feel like the theme of this podcast is you saying really nice promising things and I just jump in there and I'm just like nope we need to all be negative and anxious because I am therefore you have it's to all be. about
0: balance <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Leon have won 12 of their last it's crazy 12 of their last Champions League quarterfinals yeah. um you know at, we talked at length of their dominance but that is literally in in the flesh um it's crazy just how much of a stronghold they've had over this competition. But also, Chelsea had never gone out in the last eight. You know, we went out last year, embarrassingly, in the group stages. Um, but at least we can say we've never gone out in the last eight. And I do strongly believe that this won't be the first time. Um, Chelsea have, have shown that there's a, mu- a lot more depth to the squad. We've made a lot of investments over the summer. This was what it was for. And we have a Sam Kerr, who is Chelsea's leading scorer. She can do it all kinds of ways over the top, through the middle um a tap in outside the box a header she is very much the kind of striker you want in this position and who better to have alongside her than the person who's fast becoming for me the player of the season Lauren James um so there's something to feel good about at least for me at least I can tell myself that
0: (laughs) yeah I mean I listen I know that Leon is just supremely talented We're not going to face a team we haven't. We have yet this season to face a team, particularly when they're on their healthier end now. Like, again, I will say this for any Arsenal supporter that may be listening. The Lyon we are going to face is not the Lyon that they faced. Mm -hmm. And even though they can sound like I'm just like trying to like throw out an excuse, it's just a fact. That's all. Um, So this Lyon team is super, super talented. But I also say the form that Lauren James has been in for club and country. Uh, this has not existed at Chelsea for a while.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that she is genuinely good enough to be among, you know, give her a year or two, but she will be among one of the top two, three players in the world. And I think that you can see the skill. We have seen that there are a couple things she still needs to clean up. You know, sometimes they deny her the ball, which is something that I think has happened in the past where she hasn't really been able to get on the ball and do too much. Um, so I do think there are some times to make sure she can't get marked out of games and Leon is definitely going to try and do that to her. So she, this is a very, very good test for her, but all it takes is one. You get her, you find, you mess around and you accidentally give up a one V one versus Lauren James. And I back her all day uh, in that. So I'm excited because of that piece. I'm excited, of course, because again, we have Sam Kerr. She's one of the most devastating goal scorers on the planet and I think the good news is she is relentless. You can defend her very well for an hour, seventy minutes, eighty minutes. She's not going to stop making those runs. She's not going to stop getting in position. She's Just not going to stop. And Chelsea has players that can deliver the ball to her, so she's a constant threat. That's not gonna that they're going to have to be wary of. They're not going to be able to push their line up high and try to keep like pin Chelsea in, or else they're going to give up a lot of space in behind, like United did. So I think we have some natural like buffers against being completely overwhelmed by Leon, But they are super talented. And this is just going to be a super fascinating matchup.
1: I think you are right in saying that I'm looking at the predictions that we made for this game. And we kind of both have gone in a, in a similar mind, which is that we do both think that Leon are going to score. I mean, I'll go with mine first. I'm not going to out you for yours without letting you explain or justify. Um, I've gone with 2-1 Chelsea just because I do feel like there is something a bit more sort of gratifying about this side. Yes, they do concede goals and it's become more of a worrying trend where it's, you know, it's never three nil or two nils, always one or two. Um, I'm expecting some sloppiness in that sense, but I do feel like Sam Kerr and Lauren James both being rested is big. You know, these players have played week in, week out, especially this month, every couple of days, you know, and some of that has involved traveling and, We could talk crazy about the amount of air miles these two have been doing. But I just feel like that rest will be great and it will give us a bit more sort of freshness, to use a very cliché term, and a bit more sort of time and length in how long that these two might be able to play before we have a very important WSL clash on the weekend against Manchester City. So I have gone with 2-1. I do think Chelsea would win. Andre, go ahead, explain yourself. (laughs)
0: Mine is very simple. I think obviously a win is the very best case scenario. You win in Lyon and things are looking good uh, coming back to London. I think that's that's absolutely a no-brainer. But respect to our competition, respect to everything that that they've how good they are. I think it's gonna be tough to keep them goalless in their own home. So I'm going with one-one, a draw, and I think that'll be an excellent result for Chelsea because you have the second leg is your leg. It's home, but it's also not at King's Meadow. It's at Stanford Bridge. You get 1-1, the opportunity to go back to Stanford Bridge, fill Stanford Bridge with the hope of being able to knock, knock out a perennial Women's Champions League champion. I think the bridges have to be packed and loud and ext- just just such a great environment. Like, I want that game. Best case scenario, I want that game. And I think the best way we're going to get there is by getting a draw in Lyon in France, coming back and being like, okay, it is now all on the line. We go out there, we perform, we get the result, and we move on and we send Lyon home. That'll be a massive statement and a massive boost going into the next round. So I'm looking ahead with my result, but I'm also thinking a draw is very capable um, from this Chelsea team, especially given the way I expect them to play.
1: I could see it draw happening. I think my only concern with that is it feels like a lot more pressure um, on the second leg to, to produce is. something. And as you say, we're not at Kingsmeadow. It's going to be amazing and great. But that pressure of a full stadium goes both ways, especially if you're not used to it. Um, so I guess I guess we're both kind of on we're on the same school of thought. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm not exactly sure how these two, two teams will match up, both having suffered plenty of important injuries. But unfortunately, as we said this whole month, there's a very quick turnaround after that game. We will be facing Manchester City three days later, four days later on the weekend. It's a lunchtime kickoff. We love those here. And it's important because Chelsea are two points behind us. Um, we do have a league, um, game in hand. Wait, but, you said
0: Chelsea are two points behind us.
1: Manchester City, Jesus Christ. You're going to have to... This will be a separate podcast and it will just be all of my outtakes, my bad outtakes. Not doing very well today. Um, Manchester City are two points behind us, but we've got a game in hand. But it's just, as you say, it's another thing to kind of focus on and it's in between these two legs. So we've got that other like tie coming on Thursday. It's just kind of crazy that the level of expectation and standard that's going to be happening over this next week. Realistically, these three games two legs and and city how many sort of how many wins how many good moments are we talking about here
0: oh wow that's a that's a new that's, that's a
1: heavy question it's yeah, a pretty good question. question
0: so t- say, how say that again how many good moments are we looking for
1: well i, I guess i couldn't say how many points because it's not you know <laughs> right but it's like three big games what's what's the best position i guess that's the question what is the best position we can be in after realistically speaking after the second leg of, of leon
0: yeah. So, I mean, obviously I think, you know, advancing whichever way you can in the champions league, that's ideal. I think we did ourselves a massive favor by beating Manchester United. That was, those three points were huge. Now that allows us not that we want to slip up, but as you mentioned, we are the Chelsea's lineup for the next three games is Lyon, Manchester city, Lyon, And I believe that's Manchester city away as well. So it's not even at home. That's going to be a rough one. So on the road to Lyon, on the road to Manchester, and then finally home. So I think having that buffer from that United game is going to be huge. I think we do have to get a draw. I don't think you can lose that game and still maintain, you know, what what feels like dominance at the top of the table. But, of course, because it's Manchester City, because it's Gareth Taylor, and I've talked a lot of shit about him in the past, <laughs> I, even though Bunny Shaw is having an incredible season and making him look really good, which, you know, to me, it's all credit to her, I still think that I would love to get a win. I think if we get a draw and two wins from these three matches, we're looking amazing. I think it's probably too much to expect three wins. I just want to avoid a loss in any of them. It would be really unfortunate even though i feel like we if we were to lose one i would say the one coming up this week because i do feel like we could turn around a one nil against Mm. leon at stanford bridge but any more than that and i'm scared so (laughs) so yeah if you put me on the spot i'm gonna say a draw and two wins is like my best case scenario for this little stretch what about you
1: maybe this is a bit controversial but i wouldn't mind losing to man city i know it's a big game we cannot lose to gareth taylor i (laughs) know but it's like we've got a game in hand if i'm if i'm correct i hope i'm not incorrect because then it'll be like the fifth thing that i messed up no you are correct you have a game in hand we've got a game in hand um and i don't know like as you say things are going kind of well in an attacking sense for gareth taylor and his team um i don't feel strongly about them being able to hold us to a title race and i think arsenal are struggling quite a bit and I think at some point Arsenal are in more of a position to have to make a choice between the league and the Champions League than we are because they're missing two of their biggest strikers mm. Um even a draw okay I'll concede I will lower myself a draw against <laughs> Manchester City and there we go a win in both those legs I think that's fairly realistic Um I, th- I feel better about that anything else you think we we've missed?
0: no I don't think so I just I just hope that my optimism does not look stupid in hindsight
1: <laughs> and i all. hope my my pessimism isn't you know doesn't come back to haunt us maybe it will be me maybe i am the one who has caused chelsea to lose by first of all forgetting to know the name of our own podcast <laughs> then speaking about chelsea in the third perspective and then almost <laughs> getting an incorrect stat if you have reached this part of the podcast well done you've got through at least five <laughs> bloopers and outtakes <laughs> thank you for listening